So another week and another episode of Rebel City Podcast in isolation. Um, this week we managed to successfully do a Skype video call with no technical hitches, which is outstanding um, because every week seems to have had some sort of tech support issue since we started doing the remote podcasts. But we're looking to get some guests in, so hopefully we'll have a couple of guests in the next couple of weeks for just to sort of look forward to. This week we get in about uh, me thinking that I had um, COVID-19 symptoms last week um, and uh, how I dealt with that sort of mentally. It was a bit of a strange week for me actually. Um, if anybody can hear that, that's my cat vomiting in the background. Um, I'll just leave that in. But um, we spoke about yeah my COVID-19 symptoms and um, we did a wee bit of sort of COVID chat. Um, but to try and sort of take away from that usual um, COVID-19 and the critique of the government, we spoke about a couple other things. We spoke about um, the potential assassination attempt on the Venezuelan Prime Minister or President Maduro by um, some American and Venezuelan mercenaries, which was an interesting story for us to talk about. Uh, we spoke about Michael Gove's bookshelf. Um, which was like an alt-right sort of porn gallery. Um, we also spoke about um, people waiting 40 minutes in a queue for a cost of coffee and sort of the implications of potentially going back to normal life or trying to get back to normal life earlier. These podcasts are literally saving my life right now um, as well coming what looks like to the end of lockdown. But... Um, we have a wee sort of bit at the end where we tell each other that we miss each other, which is lovely. But any listen, like or share on the podcast is always appreciated. Um, thanks very much for the support that we've been getting in these new style of podcasts so far. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Usually it's tech support central, man. Well, we are two hours late. <laughs> I mean, not quite. That was, on, that was on me. Not quite, mate. Not quite. Anyway, how's your week been? Um, it's it's been I ups and downs like everybody else. Um, I found it sort of mentally quite tough this week to kind of keep plodding on. It's all you know the monotony and stuff has has really started to get at me a wee bit. Um, but at the same time, you know. It is really important, and this perspective has been something that I've used to kind of manage myself quite a lot this week because you don't have to look far to see that <clears throat> there are people out there with significantly worse. And I think that's kind of something that you're used to when you deal with your mental health is that you look around and you see other people suffering with stuff, and you feel guilty that you, you know, feel shite when maybe your experiences you know, lesser than theirs and mm-hmm. kind of felt a, a bit like that, you know, that wee bit of kind of feedback loop where you're feeling shit and then you feel shit for feeling shit and it kind of feeds into itself for a few days. But um, I, I got out in the garden when the sun got out, you know, got some exercise, some fresh air, blared some raids against the machine and I dusted the cobwebs after another few days. Well, that's so, it, mate. I mean, I think, like, if that's what you need today, that's what you need today. And um, I think during times like these fucking a couple of days where it's up and down and up and down like you're saying and then you dust the cobwebs off a wee bit then absolutely fucking go for it do you know what I mean aye um, other than that it's been it's been alright you know there's still 
a lot of health in, you know, the, the, my wider family, there's not been any major scares. Uh, a cousin of mine said a wee bit of scare with an asthma attack that thankfully, you know, peaked at an asthma attack. Right. Um, so I, there is definitely, you know, an importance to having that perspective. Right, I, mean? Sure, mate. I mean, for, for me, like as we've been talking in the lead up to this episode, yep. I've, I, I've been sick the last week and I've found it really, really strange, man, because normally like sickness is something that I can, kind of take my stride um, mm-hmm. and I know that I, I've got ways of dealing with if I'm, if I'm not feeling great but yeah, um, just with the symptoms that I had like that I, I had Aye. I woke up with a, like a pumping sore heat maybe about I mean what day is this? Wednesday? Well, I, I think so Was it Wednesday the day? <laughs> um, the like maybe Tuesday last week I woke up and I had like a blinding sore heat and that lasted right. maybe for like two days but then on the Thursday or the Friday I sweat through two t-shirts um, and I started to get like pretty fucking anxious about what was going yeah. on um, and that's the first time I've really experienced that I mean when I was a teenager I took migraines and I can remember doing that thing where every wee thing that looked or, sit or felt like a migraine I'd be like oh no no fucking migraine Aye. and that sort of gets in your head a wee bit but when you're a teenager you don't you know what it's like it's water off a fucking duck's back do you know what I mean you don't really give a fuck but this is the first time that I've ever sat and body watched and I think I did that for like two days and mm. um, once the sweat started then I woke up on the Saturday and I felt like somebody was like sitting on my chest um, and that lasted for like two days, so it was like sort of like a new symptom and a new thing that added on to how I wasn't feeling well. And it lasted yeah. for two days and then just kind of went away. But honestly, mate, I've never ever felt, I've never ever thought about dying the way that I thought about it last week. Um, and it wasn't like a negative, it wasn't really even a negative way of, of looking at it. It was just more like, I know this might sound dramatic and people might listen and be like, oh, for fuck's sake, calm down. But I genuinely was like that to myself. There's a, there's a possibility that this could be COVID. Mm-hmm. And if it is COVID, then there's like a 20% chance that you, it could be fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I, do you know what? I'm going to say, I, I, fuck it, it's, it's my pod, it's our podcast, you know what I mean? Say what we fucking Aye. want. I felt like comfortable. I felt like just, well, do you know what? See if it is... It's nothing that you can do about it. You've already got it. Whatever okay. happens from here is going to happen, regardless of whether or no you sit here and tortured yourself. If it's going to last for two weeks and you maybe no get hospitalised, then that's going to happen. If you end up going to hospital, that's going to happen. Like, yeah. what, what am I going to do? Am I going to sit here and torture myself? Or the fact that I've got a tight chest and a sweat on or am I going to just let it fucking play out whatever way it's going to play out and that was genuinely the sort of mindset I had to get myself in to get myself out of the anxiety was just like whatever's going to fucking happen is going to happen and there's so Mm -hmm. many thousands of people tens of thousands of people that have experienced this hundreds of thousands of people around the planet have experienced this the vast majority of them are going to recover so let's just take a fucking chill pill and stop waking up in the middle of the night mm. going, oh, am I breathing all right? And I was like analysing every breath. It was like, I was Aye. going, is this a normal breath? And then I was freaking myself out and going, this is definitely no normal. But, but then five minutes later was going, 
feels normal again. <laughs> Do you know what nah, I mean? So it was like it a was weird, just... it was a weird sort of fucking 72 hours that I went through where mm-hmm. I had like um, a gradual sort of build up of like, I'm not feeling great to I'm sweating. And then I had like 24 hours of just pure raw anxiety that I've no experienced for yeah. years, years and years. I, I can get where you're coming from in a lot of respects. Like I think when we went through the early weeks of this, there was, I think, the second or third episode in, in lockdown where I'd mentioned that, you know, in the first week that Stacey had shown symptoms and that our gran had also shown symptoms. And there was, as you say, that 24-hour period where, given the nature of everything that's going on and about it, it does get really intense. And I think it's natural for a lot of folk for their minds to go to, you know, the what-if scenario because, you know, it's not illegitimate to consider it, you know, during this particular sort of type of scenario but again there was a kind of acceptance in it that I think when I spoke to you about Stacey's symptoms I was like it's no COVID until somebody tells us it is you know what I mean Um, so we're not even it's just this it's just a cough it's just a temperature so I think there's also a need to maybe minimise it in a lot of respects because you know you don't want to work yourself up into a frenzy for a fever to break the next morning there is going to be a level of like, reality to how you react to it as well I think considering okay. how widely it's likely to infect us and you know people have all sorts of symptoms like you say thankfully you know what I mean you've had six or seven really uncomfortable days and been able to get back to some sort of normal reality you know what I mean like, um, I've seen loads of people complaining I just had this idea I made of this two week thing that if you were lucky enough to get through the two weeks you were good but there is people that are having really like prolonged symptoms and stuff like that mm-hmm. like four to six weeks and stuff which I don't know was something I didn't consider either you know what I mean so right. there's I maybe just... going to need to be a, a resilience once and if these symptoms show you know just going to go to the dark place and stay there you know what i mean absolutely i think it just goes to show and reiterates that nobody really knows what the fuck is going on with this thing that that, i mean that that the who and governments from the world are really just putting their finger in there and hoping that the wind blows the right way for them because yeah i mean it took them like six weeks to to tell us that potentially a symptom is is that you lose your sense of smell and your sense of taste. Now they're mm. saying that there's like a rash that comes out on your feet um, that was on the BBC the other day and like it, it's ever changing. Um, right. I think that's something as well that really kind of like freaked me out a wee bit um, because I was I was like, I've got so read this, this is nothing to be worried about. Like it's, You've got a headache, whatever. I'd slept with the window open. The sunshine had went away, the rain had came. It sort of coincided with that. It might have just been that, the change in the weather, as my mum would say. It's just a change in the weather. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, I, I, that coincided, but it was when I started to really get a fever and then I spoke to somebody that has had it. And when I said to them, like, I start, started out with a sore head and blah, blah, they said to me, that's how mine started. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake so yeah. I had to like disconnect myself away from stuff as well I was getting annoyed at the images of people that are only social distancing I, I, I was Aye. I was starting to get a wee bit sort of like I don't know like a wee bit just caught in my head um, and, but I'll tell you what like it's a, it's a good experience as somebody that's had a mental health um, episode and has recovered for it in the best way that I, I knew how and the best way that I could these things are like they're good wee tests, I think, like to just 
sort of reiterate to yourself like I can cope like I'm, I'm alright like if if I can cope with sitting for 24 hours and thinking I've got a deadly <laughs> fucking disease or yeah. a deadly virus I can cope with I can cope with anything on this but uh, it's a good it was a good wee exercise for myself to really just sort of go I need to go at my own heat here that's what all the practice Aye. is about isn't it like that, that's what definitely that's what it's it's supposed to be is so that we don't or when crisis hits like we don't get caught up in our own thinking and and catastrophizing everything um, but that was my week anyway it's, it's part of the, the process I used as I've said to you earlier on the day before this was distance you know the, what I used to manage myself was initially about getting a wee bit of distance for what I don't want to deal with like people's around about me coming down with symptoms but that distance is to give you enough time and space to then come to accept whatever's going on so that you can yeah. deal with it in the right manner you know what I mean uh, yeah, absolutely mate did you see um I mean, well, this is very recent. I know we try and cover as recent as possible, but um, mm-hmm. Sir Keir, I mean, we've been talking about him the last couple of weeks um, in terms of his lack of opposition to the government and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. o- other than his, um, his uh, consensus, I mean, he was out the other day saying that to try and help the UK recover for this economically we need like a, a national consensus or so like a cross party thing which I, I mean me and you have spoke about that already I saying that but he absolutely tore Boris to shreds a day um, okay. and Prime Minister's questions what was hilarious was um, and I think everybody's commenting on this um, so I'm, it's not like I, I'm I'm saying that this is my observation this is like a common observation that's happening is, is that when the Tories don't have their rabble behind them, like their here hears and their way yeah. and their claps, they don't have any conviction behind what they're saying. So they, they, he was <laughs> he's looking for his positive reinforcement and it's no coming, um, which was a weird. So like the comparison of like football teams having a um, play in front of a crowd and them saying oh it's yep. atmosphereless and blah 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 well Boris had to answer questions in front of a crowd and he did, he did not look comfortable <laughs> at all mate um, no fridges about <laughs> oh he tried to hide there was a photo of him um, that popped up after Prime Minister's questions where it showed you him sort of hanging about the periphery with his bit of paper and um, somebody saying he literally had to be shoved in to, get, uh, to answer questions but the main sort of question that that was trending on BBC and stuff was that Keir Starmer had asked them that um, 20,000 was the upper limit like that's what we were told back in February March yeah. time that 20,000 is the, the worst case scenario we've now passed that um, we've got the worst death rate in Europe and the second highest death rate next to fucking the Chuckle Brothers there in fucking America yeah. that have totally fucking fucked this up big time um, but his question was how have we got here um, and Boris's response was this isn't the time to be comparing ourselves to other like international figures we don't have the data and it's inappropriate but and then, hopefully he rinsed him with that whole apparent successes nonsense oh, he, he did aye, he did they said um, or, or apparent a comment about the apparent success when it's been a mitigated disaster or something like that he'd said it'd been aye. a failure but then Stormer rightfully stood up and held up the graph that we've been seeing in every press conference every day where it shows you the trajectory of people the deaths and the, the, the um, yep 
the 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 rate of infection. Infection. To say that, well, if if you want to stand up and use these as like a point of comparison when we're not as bad as other places, now when we're worse, you want to just be able to I... brush that one, sweep that one under the carpet. Um, it it was good to see an actual opposition. Do you know what I mean? Aye, and I mean now is the time. Like, and you're never going to get a bigger open goal than than this mob at the minute and some of the shit they're trying to pull is just absolutely ridiculous um, I mean I never quite caught Prime Minister's questions but I would have thought that if he's going to go and say that it's no cool to measure ourselves against other countries he shouldn't have come out on his first day back and went look at how much other countries look to our example you know what I mean <laughs> like, it's the exact it was, his, it was his opening gambit is that why many countries look at our apparent successes and you're like what the fuck? But then I, I can't remember who I seen online make the point, and it's like, don't be surprised by Boris Johnson lies because people willfully elected a liar. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so how can you trust anything that he's got to say? Um, I think somebody who has the education and background of Starmer should like just outright just make mince meet him. You know what I mean? There's a difference yeah. between being a a columnist for the Telegraph and being like a QC in terms of argumentative skills um, mm. so I think there's a real chance to take that waffle and that sort of pomp that he tries to pass off and is you know backed up by his cronies when they're in the, in the chambers like, to really just dismantle him bit by bit by bit because you know he's there for the taking oh, yeah. I that respect, completely agree completely agree with you and hope that um, as much as I've got a bit of a distaste in my mouth when it comes to... Uh, is, that the, is that the right saying? <laughs> but when it comes to <laughs> Keir Starmer. <laughs> no distaste in my mouth. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, he's, had a, he's had a rough start, but at the same time, and, and you know, some of what's went on hasn't looked great, especially as this, you know, leaked report thing seems to be getting sat on. But at the same time, if he goes up through the gears and actually hods the government to the account, then you can put a rough couple of weeks beginning behind him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we're not saying that because he's had a rough couple of weeks, like he's done. You know what I mean? Like because again, that's kind of how Labour leaders have been undermined and written off in the British media. You know, with baking sandwiches and fucking threats of like communism and shit. But you know, if he actually goes up through the gears here and systematically dismantles somebody like Johnson on a week by week basis, then I all bets are off and he gets a fair crack at the whip mm-hmm. you know what I mean I hope for, I hope that it's a sign of things to come I'll, I'll be honest because Aye. it was it it was the in comparison to somebody like Corbyn mm-hmm. it was his and I, I suppose there might be a certain section of the Labour vote that disagrees that this is a positive but it was his lack of emotion it, he had like a sort of composure and a calmness about the argument that he was making <coughs> that, like you're saying, was more reminiscent to an actual lawyer stating a case, like a well-researched yeah. sort of, like, um, argument against something, and he wouldn't let it drop as well. He kept coming back with the same sort of thing, yeah. which is something that I think... that's what you'd that, expect a lawyer to do. He's mm-hmm. actually like a, almost like a comedian set him up for the punchline by saying well, you know, what about other countries? And he's went, well, now's not the time to talk about other countries. And he's pure, here's your graph comparing us to other countries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so there's been a pure, he's baited the hook there, you know what I mean? So that's exactly what you would expect from a lawyer and, you know, a politician who's gone and hopefully hold this government to account a bit better than has been the case so far. Yeah, and another question that was asked, and I'm ashamed to say that I don't know the remember the, the MP that asked the question. So I'm just going to go and have a wee look at that because I did look at the... Um, the hashtag for PMQs, but okay. um, 
one of the MPs asked um, the question about, um, and I'll see if I can find it, but she asked the question about, will we follow, follow Denmark's lead? Um, and that if businesses want a bailout, that they're not allowed to pay dividends on their shares and stocks for however long, and yeah. that they're not allowed to be based in a tax haven. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know that during the sort of Panama Papers time that David Cameron had a few awkward questions that get asked to him. Um, around, stuff hidden in his dad's name. Yeah, but I don't remember any any other time that an MP has come out and directly asked a question about, like, will we draw a line in the sand as far as, like, mm -hmm. businesses getting bailouts and yeah. then not paying their tax by, like, hiding their, what, their, like, their headquarters Aye. or whatever it is. I can't find it. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll fucking I'm find, anyway. we'll find it. But that type of stuff, this is, this is encouraging. This is really encouraging me. Um, I'm hoping that this is, again... This is a sign of things to come. I'm not going to like hold my breath on it. Um, I'm not going to be like, um, oh yes, this is it. Like this is Stormers. Labour is going to be the one that that sort of takes the power back or that uh, wins is over or whatever like that. But just today, like it's a sunny day. I'm I'm just over sickness. I'm feeling good, and I watched PMQs and felt like right. That's something I can go and fucking board with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm totally waiting. That um, respect, like, if he was Tony Blair with <clears throat> Iraq. Would you take it? <laughs> if if the option was this or Tony Blair minus Iraq, no, like if it turns out to be Tony Blair, but All right. without the Iraq war, so let's just say that he turns out to be like a Blairite, but he's no a warmonger, or he's not going to get corralled by a f Donald Trump or whoever the, the next uh, president is to to run to a war in the Middle East. Like, would you accept that? Um. I think we'd probably also need to like draw a line under their complicity in the 2008 financial crash and how they managed the economy and how you know that led to you know the boom and bust that fucked us in the end. Like, mm. so they were Melvin. There was some good yeah. stuff, particularly in the early days. Um, PFI proved not to be ideal, particularly in some Scottish areas. But nah, I don't know, man. Like, probably anything's better than this. Right now. Aye, that's exactly what I had a conversation earlier with somebody about it. I keep on fucking locking my phone out of habit and I'm trying to see the, the bits that I was want to talk about. But um I was talking to somebody about that earlier on as well, dude, and that that's that's ex and it's shite to say that, isn't it? That that is like where we are. Is that anything's Aye. better than what we've got. Like we'll take anything. Like I was actually thinking that what we should do at the end of this, once we come out of this, is take all the individual wee sections we did about mistakes the Tories have made and put them out in the wee individual bits and just actually do a series on them because the amount of them is getting silly now. You know what I mean? Like, I think, a great idea, mate. Um, look at, you know, last week's Panorama. I mean, some of the, the figures in that were absolutely just fucking staggering. I mean... They've been planning for 15 years for pandemic. Everybody in the world has known for the last 15 years that the next big one they all need to be ready for is a pandemic. Um, when it hit, we didn't have gowns, we didn't have swabs, we didn't have visors. They've been slow in ordering them. They've been preferential to people. They've got previous relationships ahead of, you know, other governments. They even when they realised that they didn't have enough PPE, they downgraded COVID nineteen to basically one out of the legal requirement to yeah. have PPE. They've bought thirty three million breathers 
12 million of which are in circulation, they refuse to answer questions on where the rest are. Um, I mean, that's been like one in two people in the UK a breather, like half of them are missing. Like, mm. uh, there was so many, and like, Panorama really did an, an amazing job on it. Like, so, uh, you know, that alone should be a national scandal before we go into potentially fake nurses, before we, you <laughs> know, go into like, you know, just some of the, you know, bullshit that's already happened. Like, test and trace, you know, saying is that they had 100,000 tests a day achieved and all the fanfare and there was people pure rubbing it in Piers Morgan's face for doubting them and it turns out that they had to fudge the numbers by including stuff that was out in the mail like, they've then subsequently missed the target on, you know, consecutive days. Aye, man. Like, and like- now we're heading into an area where data is becoming the issue because they're going to take guys like Cummings and give them access to people's sensitive health data all yeah. across the country. I mean, and you're like, how do we trust these guys? We spoke on a very, very early episode of the podcast about the potential for your health data. And I, I think we did maybe like ah. 10, 15 minutes on it and we were talking about stuff like... Um, they could void your insurance because they could put disclaimers. So your iPhone will tell your insurance company that you've actually got something wrong with your heart. You've got like maybe like an irregular beat to your heart that's been missed because it's low level. And they could then feed that into your insurance company. This is mere American centric, but then they could then void your insurance and and look, we disclaimers. So that's just an example of what can be done with your data. I think we we actually spoke about data as like a wider thing and how it was worth like, Every individual's data is potentially worth in the market like two million quid, and we get away mm-hmm. for free to Facebook because we want free access to social media. I think that's the the way that we were talking about it. To Basically, think about I... somebody like Cummings is get access, or the or that type of people have got access to your personal, yeah. not only just your health data, but where you've been, who you've been with, all that stuff, man. That actually scares me a wee bit. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know about this when and why. Mm-hmm. Just, it's crazy. I mean, look, see, the consensus now that I feel about where we go after lockdown is test, trace, track, etc. It's mm-hmm. things that have been happening in places like Germany and Korea with great success where people who have shown symptoms register that they have shown these symptoms and it then notifies the people they've been in contact and so on and so forth and they get a data cluster of where the highest number of cases are and they can quarantine that area rather than lock down an entire country. And it makes a lot of sense. The problem is, is that like we're nowhere near the capacity we need to be at in this country just now. I think on the 13th of March, the government just stopped its preparations for trace and test because they just didn't have the capabilities to meet it. Now we've got an app that has apparently cost something like £250 million to facilitate, mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of crossover between people who were either in and involved with Cambridge Analytica or were adjacent doing similar things on other projects and stuff like that. And we've also then got guys like Cummings who, again, have talked about herd immunity and austerity, and you're just going to allow them to essentially genetically potentially map the entire country, mm-hmm. your whereabouts, your movements, who you're in contact with them, when you're in contact with them, how your health was at the time. Like, It needs to actually happen in some sense, mm-hmm. but I don't, tr- I, I don't trust this government with that nah. type of data about me. And we I, need I to get the balance right. Don't either. We need to get the balance we, right, don't we? We don't have the time for it. We're already uh-huh. you know, weeks behind the curve on this. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, I if you thought that people were worried about uh, 
Gordon Brown's ID cards. <laughs> this app, man, like this, this is, is this is the thing, isn't it? Is that you're like, whoa, wait a minute, like I I understand the your the phone r- is now your ID card. Uh huh. That again, that's another yet another one of the sort of freedoms and we talk about like liberties and stuff that people are just afraid to give away. Think that if if we had any kind of track record, let's just say um, you're Swedish or you're you're somewhere where your government doesn't like you on a daily basis about okay. what, like I think you would be more willing to like right do you know what during this crisis I'm willing to give that up and I'm yeah. willing for this track and trace and I've got nothing to hide um, but it's where does that end like we were talking last week about um, the Patriot Act and how in, in post 9-11 <clears throat> they gave away the Americans and the British yeah. gave away so much power to the government and they've never ever yeah. gave it back well like to, well, 19 years down the line and they the laws are still in place they can still do what they like pretty yeah. much um, as far as like that act is concerned I think so, they still are because we talked the other week there about other countries that had forced in legislation under the provisos of COVID-19 it happened in the UK apparently with that Theresa May's Snoopers charter that failed at Parliament a number of times and now that they've got the majority and you know there's other stuff going on they've just fired it through Parliament apparently and oh, just kind of like this is the thing, this is legislation that's failed a number of times already, and now, again, I've, I, I meant to chase up, so I, I, apologies if I've got the wrong end of that one, but at the same time, you know, but we need to, it's not just these other countries, but people are going to use this as a proviso to put in powers. Well, that's I mean? that, I mean, I sent you a video just before we came on air, and it was um, Mike Pompey, who's... <laughs> 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 he's one of the chuckle brothers that I was talking about but but um, he's going on about like the tyrannical Chinese government who downplayed this virus and blah 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 well yeah. your Teflon Don did it to try and protect the market and was talking about yeah. how the market's in great shape and like you, this is where there's no difference, this is we spoke about this last week It's they, they've got an accent and they've got a suit and they tell you that blah blah blah, and we're not like them. But ultimately, like you're saying, man, they're the exact Aye. fucking same. They're just the first step of any sort of disinformation campaign is to accuse the enemy of exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's no, it's not us. It's them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and that's exactly what I seen in that Mike Pompeo video that he's one of their international representatives. Is I mean, look at look him up. See if you're just bored and shit. Like Google this guy. Like his record is fucking wild. Like it, it would require its own podcast, but like he's a fucking nutter. Um, right. But I, for him to go, I the CIA or the intelligence community have said this was all China's fault. For the reporter to go. Uh, no, they didn't. Like the wee guy out of still game. Like pure no, they didn't. And he was like, no, you're right, they didn't. Uh, but I still, I still believe them. I still believe them. You know, like, crazy, it, it took him, I think, 14 and a half seconds to change his mind. You know what I mean? Aye. Like, I mean, this, this type of government in America has now driven its people to the point where somebody gets shot in the head yesterday for asking somebody to wear a mask in a supermarket like oh, a, secu- a security guy went up to a woman and said to her you need to wear a mask she went out to her car got her son and her husband to come in screaming about liberty and the son pulled a gun out and shot the guy in the head and that is no bullshit seen that this morning so this is Fuck where me. that country is fucking this is where they're ending up and they're ending up there because they don't know who to trust, they don't know where to turn and unfortunately they've turned to an absolute fucking lunatic in Donald Trump 
in some sort of way to, to save their country and it's it, fucking grim it really is man it really is it, it's, it, it's a fucking horrible story um, we've got a wee bit I mean we've got a bit to talk about when it comes to Venezuela and America like a wee bit later on but talking about people with shocking track records did you see Michael Gove's bookshelf um, <laughs> I did I I think this is going to sound like a defence of Michael Gove but like you do it when you listen to your fucking Alex Joneses and all these types of cunts like the crackpot fringe or like conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like maybe he just does the same in book Absolutely. form. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. He's still, a, he's still a cunt irrespective yep. of what's on his bookshelf. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, just in terms of his policy and his actions. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I think that I'm the, probably willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. So, slightly. <clears throat> I get, I read a couple of bits and pieces. Um, some of the, 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 the rhetoric that's coming through the right is like so you're basically trying to say that people can't uh, read certain types of books and again the 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 hard right or the alt right um, in this country and it's been picked up in America as well are saying like this is the left showing that they're Nazis like they're burning books this is like modern day book burning because it's been done on like, a yeah. digital platform right and I understand that right so if somebody posts a picture of their bookshelf and they've been reading Marx, and they've been reading, um, the, I mean, like, the bell curve, or whatever it might be, right? I'm mm-hmm. not looking at that and going, this guy's a fucking lunatic. I mean, he's, he's clearly an educated guy, but one yeah. of the things that really did jump out at me is the one, um, it's, it's basically, like, a book that's about, like, Europe um, and how like Islam is infiltrating Europe and like the okay. the Trojan horse theory that is like right. kicking about. Michael Gove wrote a book himself called um, Serious Seven Seven, where he alluded to that. So I think I had a I had a a, a mini debate. I think you could probably call it with with a mate who had said to me had sent me a screenshot of a retweet that I had made about the 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 uh, Michael Gove stuff and um, he'd said like but so basically you're advocating that we shut people down for what books they read and I was like no absolutely not but what I do think we need to know is when somebody has wrote a book that is about sort of the rise of Islamic terrorism and in Europe and talking about like Trojan horse theories um, is reading books for Holocaust denier is actively trying to like regain human rights in this country Mm-hmm. We we need to know that. I'm not saying that you should judge the guy, that you should look at his bookshelf and go cancel this cunt because look at the books that he's been reading because exactly what you said, I used that example. I listen to, I watch some of the most batshit conspiracy theories on YouTube <laughs> and I read some shit where you're like, that is wild and I'm not believing in that and I might talk about it and I sort of like, this is interesting but I don't believe it. But mm-hmm. I think that you can, you can start to sort of like piece together <clears throat> Like, especially when there's a book on eugenics, Aye, there's a book it on... Feels like, it feels like breadcrumbs. It does it feel like, like... It feels a bit like breadcrumbs. Um, and another analogy that I used is, is that if Michael Jackson comes on the radio, I might not switch it off, but I'll tell you what, if I take a picture of my record collection, the Michael Jackson vinyl that I've got down there is not going to be in the fucking picture that I posted <laughs> anywhere, because... Aye, like... You're not posting your Gary Gatter collection on Instagram, are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly that. Um, I just, I, 
when you see that type of bookshelf and you see um, the the strange death of Europe and the bell curve and books by a- a David Irvine, who's a who was jailed for being a Holocaust yeah. denier, and it's a Tory, a Brexit, a Bre- a guy that actively went out and yeah, campaigned yeah. for Brexit, wanted to take back um, human rights and redraw. Yeah actually has come out as an advocate for capital punishment and has wrote a book about Islamic Trojan horses in Europe, then you start to sort of raise an eyebrow. And that's why I retweeted it. It wasn't because I believe that Owen Jones is right. We should go out there and we should be like cancelling Michael Gove because he's read Mein Kampf. No. Absolutely fucking not. We should not, be but... grateful of people when they advertise their ignorance to us. Like, I think that when people show us... <laughs> What influences their thought process and when they're involved in making these, you know, thoughts into policy, into law, like understanding that journey and where they're at in their head is useful. So when they advertise their own ignorance or their own stupidity in that manner, like I would say you should be grateful for it probably in a, a certain respect. You know, Absolutely. I mean, this is why we shouldn't ban or burn books or you know, cancel folk for having, you know, different thought processes or whatever it is, because, like, if you give people enough time, they will always show themselves up for who they really are. So Aye, absolutely. You lose nothing by letting them do it. You know absolutely. I mean? Like, there's, there's, a, there's a nice analogy here on <clears throat> Flat Earth, um, where I watched Neil deGrasse Tyson be asked, why do you know come out and debunk Flat Earth <clears throat> when there's a community that's building yeah. and there, there's such popularity around this conspiracy? And he said that the science is all there and if they don't understand it, then they're idiots. And you're like, I get that. Like, I totally get that. All but right. on the same so token... Don't ever argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you experience. <laughs> but also, at the same time, we need people who come out and tell us, like you're saying, they're batshit crazy ideas so that we can debunk it. And no, just say that the people that believe in it are fucking idiots for believing totally. in it. You know what I mean? But like, I think in that sense, if some average guy is having a crackpot theory on the internet, it's probably for another average guy or woman or whatever mm-hmm. to then go, mate, that's crazy. Like, there's levels where... You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a renowned physicist and, you know, astrologist and whatever else it is. Like, he's not really meant to be getting into arguments with some kind of like 100 flat earth followers on YouTube, you know what I mean? Like, so I can see it in a sense, see if they had somebody who had the scientific sort of credos to actually go and debate it in meaningful terms, mm. which is impossible because it's nonsense. Then I would say, right, I have somebody of an equivalent sort of caliber like Neil deGrasse Tyson come and argue with them. But like Joe Bloggs off the internet can get to fuck, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Joe Bloggs off the internet ends up Tommy Robinson, though. Do you know what I mean? Like this is well, this is the danger is is that you sh- you, you should shut them down with your fucking intellect rather than just basically saying that they're a fucking idiot. Otherwise, mm. they end up gaining followers and maybe even a fucking a movement of people. Aye, misguided people aye. Aye, absolutely um, it's been a couple of days maybe one day since we, we were talking about the situation that happened in Venezuela um, on, on Sunday um, so if anybody has not actually um, hooked in with this story I think it's an interesting sort of segue for the MKUltra stuff and the CIA and I think it's it it's a sort of black ops. That's what it looks like. And obviously, like mm-hmm. we've we've got our doubts, and we'll talk about that in a wee second. But if anybody's not really hooked in with us, um, thirteen terrorists were sort of like intervened by fishermen on the coast. As crazy as that sounds, on the coast of Venezuela, uh, eight of them have been killed. Um, 
leaving five of them and by, either... by the fishermen uh, no by um like the venezuelan <coughs> secret police Aye. guys like the guys in the sort of black helmets and the black the, the balaclavas the dudes for call of duty <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but there's uh, five of them left and three of them are american um one, two of them are ex-green beret which is okay. um you're like okay so they're they're quite high up within the military at one point in time um the, the i love the quote for the what's the guy that um is the president of venezuela what, maduro maduro i came out and said that they were playing rambo it was <laughs> <laughs> it was a rambo style um attack to try and assassinate the leader of Venezuela, which who's a military dictator, that was scuppered by eight fishermen. Aye, doesn't he? Isn't he quite? Uh, you can already hear the skepticism <laughs> that's happening. Um, there's links it's to like, Trump, like there's, there's. I've got the pure image of the opening sequence for Hot Shots Part Two, where they're all like <laughs> I was gonna say, in. I was gonna say Naked Gun, but aye, gun, the exact aye, same, the exact same shit. That, running after beach and like pure tripping over in shoelaces aye. and like shooting themselves in the heat as they fall and stuff. There's like a bit in the second naked gun where he's swimming underwater in scuba gear and they farts and that alerts <laughs> the people in the boat because the bubbles come up and stuff but it was it was like that but there's links to Donald Trump so what's happened is is that there's a guy called and I don't know how to pronounce his name it's Jordan Gushru let's just say I don't know if that's right okay. Fuck knows. but he runs a company called Silver Cop USA and in his statement he'd said that the goals of the force were to infiltrate Venezuela and spark a rebellion that would topple Maduro from power. So he's basically come out and went, aye, that's what we were doing, right? So, which is just, you're like, what the fuck? Like, this is what, so like a private business, right? This is where it gets really fucking weird. He, so he, he stated in this interview that he turned his focus to Venezuela in February 2019 after his company had been hired to security at a benefit concert in Colombia, Venezuela, Venezuelan border that was arranged by Richard Branson. Okay. So it's uh, uh, right. So this guy's company hired. I've always kind of half suspected that Richard Branson would turn out to be a Bond villain. Like so, this could be what he's up to here. He's playing power games with like Central America via American corporations. There we go. Correct. Potentially, I potentially that. I mean, like it was that this guy's company was hired by Branson to go to the Colombian border and 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 be security for a benefit, and and then that's when his company turned their attention. So either they've met somebody while they've been doing that, or the, the, why it just seems like so strange. But anyway, other than that sort of conspiracy theory, um, this guy Jordan Gushru or whatever, he was hired by Trump. So he was like Trump's security. So there's like a slight wink and Trump's had to actually come out and say, I've got any involvement in this and nobody within the government's got any involvement in this. But gone okay. on sort of previous track record, like a, a, an American militia and of ex-Green Beret Marine guys getting into a South American company country to overthrow their government just sounds so familiar to me. So <laughs> I, many like bear pigs marked out. It's so I, strange, man. Where did you I, think it yourself? Um, to start off with, I, I think my first reaction with you was that it's kind of out of base playbooks here where 
if there's been, and you never know what American companies are up to. Security firms have got huge amounts of crossover with ex-military personnel, especially mm-hmm. the highly trained guys. There's a big market for them. They can make a lot of money by comparison to their national service, if you follow me. Yeah. But like, Aye, who knows what they're doing? There might very well have been companies playing funny buggers for Venezuelan resources or whatever else, and you know the Venezuelan government has taken the chance to go look. This is the Americans at it, sort of thing. Um, so it would be pretty standard practice and base senses there. Mm-hmm. The one that really like, as I read it, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm out. Was um, the guy getting found with his passport? And you're like, <laughs> if you've got thirteen like special ops guys coming in under, you know undernight and onto the beach get tripped up by fishermen and they've all got their fucking passports on them I was a bit like right okay you know I, I can't imagine any actual overt American government action where they're sending them a date with their passports in their pockets. That's that's the bit where I was like, wait a minute, man. That's like that was the whole premise of a fucking nine eleven conspiracy documentary that I watched. Was why were the passports there? Like why were they? What, how how could that be? Um, why were these guys cutting about with their fucking American passports? And apparently they had some like American. So this is where you start to get. Where you either go in one route where you're like, this is bullshit and I'm just not even going to bother mm. it. And you start to go, why did they have that? Apparently, they had American military patches, um, like uh, mission patches. Okay. So, like, see, so like, I hate to I hate to use it, but the bit in Armageddon where he gives him his mission patch and is basically like gear that to somebody because every time they go on an official mission for the government, they get like some sort of like patch to say it's like the fucking Boy Scouts. Right. <laughs> um, they they apparently get found with these patches, and that's why the then uh, Venezuelan government are starting to go. These guys are out here officially because they've got fucking mission patches, their passports, all their documentation, all things out, and then I uh, this Canadian half Canadian, half American guy came out and was basically like, ah, it's my company that's doing it, and I absolutely, we were going in there to overthrow that government, and you're like, that's wild! <laughs> that's fucking wild! Like, I've never seen that, but yeah. I think that was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday he came out and right, spoke yeah. about this, and you're like, that's... Even if <laughs> there's a US-backed opposition to this guy in Venezuela that um, I don't... If you remember last year, they were Colin Fowl in the election when Maduro won like his second sort of term or whatever and Aye. Trump was out getting it, uh, sanctions and blah 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 and, and I think rightfully so I mean the guy's a, mili- a military dictator in that country like I don't he's no legit it's no democracy for fuck's sake no. um, but the other guy who is backed by the Americans um, it, it seems to be looking like it's had something to do with him that he's had he's had some kind of involvement um, mm. And when you, if you look back at history and like the bear pigs, um, the, oh, Gulf, the Gulf of Tolkien, all these bits and pieces, it does stink to high heavens. But also, it's so corrupt in Venezuela. Like, and why did they have their documents sewn them when they were doing it? And blah blah blah. So it's, it's going to so be the basis fun. for an absolutely amazing like John Le Carre novel over the next couple of years at the BBC. Will, you know, make into a TV season for his like, you know, murky spy shit going on in like Central American countries with American backing. Like, it is the stuff up your spy novel so it is like um, so I look forward to that one to nine <laughs> aye well it's, it's just that it, I, I mean really I pulled that sort of story out as a way I try to sort of like not just talk about Covid for another hour and a half oh, you no, know definitely. what I mean but, no um, no it's a cool story it's, it's an just, interesting I, story I, mate I haven't seen a number of them I'm just of the opinion that these things are like deliberately murky so that you know all the various theories and whatnot, the noise running about them can then 
obscure the truth as much as you know the covert action did in the first place. Absolutely, um, mate. So um, I, they're they're great to kind of like see it. I did read through it and was like, this is just so strikingly familiar when it comes to. America's relationship with like resource-rich sort of Central and Southern American countries, like, mm-hmm. um, I they're there taking, you know, advantage of chaos, and you know, stoking that chaos to their advantage when they can as well. You know what I mean? It's Aye, no, absolutely. it's no one new story, unfortunately. No, that's it. Um, I've got a question for you. How okay. do you pronounce Elon Musk's Wayne's name? Oh, is this the one? We all that it's, it's basically like a password, isn't it? <laughs> it's like one of the Apple passwords that it tells you. Like, would you like to use the strong password? Like Elon Musk, is, <laughs> I've not even. He's been in and fucking. It's been like baby name, and it's been. Would you like to use this strong baby name? Um, it's like apparently it's pronounced the way it's. You see it as like a e a e minus twelve. Okay, so. so no weird then. No, definitely not. Um, how, like, on a scale... He is a bit of a fucking fruit loop, isn't he? Aye, absolutely. If you've watched that the Rogan... takes the biscuit for mad mad baby names. Like, mad baby names are just... They're, they're, they're a pure height of celebrity. So it's because you're no... Don't get me wrong, you they get ordinary people copying it. You know, when they had the whole, like, Brooklyn thing with Brooklyn Beckham. Aye. I read an article a couple of years later for a New Zealand court saying that for the first time in New Zealand history because of this trend of naming people after where they'd been conceived, that for the first time ever New Zealand courts had to reject a name to like make it official because the couple had tried to name their way in number 27 bus stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Right? Honestly. <laughs> so who the fuck knows that, you know, 18 months for now, what fucking AE asterisk minus fuck knows what will result in in the actual general population. You know Aye, what I mean? absolutely. Uh, I look forward to it, to be honest with you. Aye. I think after the back of that story when it first broke, I remember reading through, and this is just how my brain operates, I needed to then follow the rabbit hole. I ended up on like the census website and looked up like Scotland's kind of, you know, new baby names for the year. And it's like a file you can just download it and uh, export it to an Excel spreadsheet and like hang me the names. And in that year, six people had called their way in Loki in Scotland. Right. So they had like, wow. so I. There's, there's Avengers in there, Star Wars characters, there's all sorts. So, aye, what Elon Musk calls his when is, aye, we're going to have to start, like, finding out what the real, how to pronounce punctuation and stuff like that is. Aye, but educating people with your baby names, but <laughs> on, a scale of, on a scale of one to Craig David, how bullied do you think this fucking Wayne is going to be, man? Like, <laughs> it's going to be, like, insane. I mean, insane. But Musk was out um, tweeting... Free America. All its will just be like, all its pals will just be like Westworld style robots. Perhaps. Just programmed to or like make the Wayne feel cool. Will Smith's Wayne's, which will <laughs> fit in perfectly there. But, Does um, that know what I said? <laughs> um, but Musk was out gaining at um, Free America. Um, yeah. they're, they're, I think this is just a good example as to why we shouldn't listen to Elon Musk. Not only is he a billionaire with a failed car company because Tesla have been bailed out so many fucking times. Like, see the idea that this is like a he's a tech billionaire because of this car noise. No, he created no. PayPal and he's sunk so much money into that company and it has failed three, four times over. Like, he is that company's on the brink again and he's out gaining it free America and 
he's an influential character like people he's one of these weird sort of characters that people they look to him um as like a sort of beacon of intelligence because he's made all this money but just simply history of that as well where guys like bill gates and how Mm -hmm. they've been held up and you know jobs and these types of guys like you know really successful tech you know pioneers they get held by a a certain level of regard in more society by default i think i think guys like benefit for that aye guys like jobs and uh and gates were actually smart people Zuckerberg stole his idea for a classmate. Uh, Elon Musk came for a millionaire family, and and right. like these types of things. I think this is where we're now on like the third generation of like the hoi polloi and the rich, and they've just shot out these absolute fucking idiots. And this is where we are in society. But I think like the name, the the baby name alone should be the reason why we don't listen to Elon Musk when it comes to a, a virus or when we Aye, should come out of lockdown. <laughs> he's cancelled. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely cancelled. But he's, I mean, there's another thing that he's cancelled for as well. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. They took a dry a joint and he didn't inhale. So fuck him. Like, he's pure. <laughs> he's Bill Clinton. Do you know what I mean? He's like, oh, I didn't, look, I didn't inhale. Aye, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I know we obviously touched on America. I'm not going to do too much of the coronavirus there because, like you, I'm a bit fed up it. But there was a couple of tackles for Trump this week. Um, the first of which was we talked about his um, his press conferences recently and how obviously they just descended into like a fucking pit of hell and he'd been, <laughs> he'd been taken off them. And because his ego is such that he couldn't then allow his staff to bench him. He went on like fucking some primetime news channel in one of the big White House rooms, sat at the chair and let two interviewers kind of come at him to try and justify why he'd been so bad or why, you know, advice had changed and, you know, kind of just basically try and explain why he'd been so shit. Uh Um, Throughout the course of that interview, he basically claimed that he'd had it worse than any other president and actually dropped Lincoln by name versus Lincoln that fought the Civil War and was later assassinated. Trump was pure comparing himself with favourable to. So you're like, he doesn't know how to stop digging the hole. Like, and I thought, you went on there. I mean, you just be like face Palm Central with all his staff behind the camera where you're like, this is, you're going out there to fix this in his pure eye. I've got it worse than that guy that freed the slaves and got killed for it. Aye, I mean, I've seen that. I did see that. I've seen that he'd said that I've got it worse than Abraham Lincoln. You're like, wow. Like, okay. (laughs) But this is probably an indication of the next sort of move on the board is Mm -hmm. going to be the victim. He's going to move for the the strong man and like, we, we, no cases and blah, blah, blah. And once it starts to really. impact him he's going to start then going to supporters and going this is a takedown like that, poor me like that look at what's happened i built the economy and right before this virus the economy and you can hear it coming for guys like mike pompeo or they're, they're just going to come out and go Aye. this is a deliberate <clears throat> attempt by the chinese government they suppressed all this information it cost us lives and we we couldn't do anything about it and you're similar to guys like boris you then need to stand in front of him and go, you were fucking told in January. You were Aye. told in plenty of time and you did nothing totally. about it. I mean, America's still doing nothing about it. They're, they're still, Aye. they're hoping that it just passes by. Do you know what I mean? It's- I think in terms of that sort of tone and that sort of victimisation that he feels that he's been, you know, subjected to, um, it kind of crossed over a wee bit with one of the other ideas that we talked about in recent weeks where he was starting to debate why the federal government should 
bailout failing states. Mm. Um, that kind of obviously worried us because how can you be a country if you don't support every area of the country? But it went a bit further this week where he actually tweeted about why he should be left responsible for bailing out states that were run by failing Democrats. And I was like, this guy is literally positing on Twitter why should I make sure that my political enemies survive this? Mm -hmm. And like that was fucking sinister for me. As much as he's a clown and obviously, you know, he's just stumbled his way through pretty much every part of this um, as bad as possibly could be the case. But he's now using that as a preface to say, well, why should I help my enemies? You're like, yeah. well, six months for an election, he's, he's literally talking about letting the opposition just wither and die. And you're like... That's really no how democracies are meant to be run, man. Exactly. Like, Could you imagine if Boris went 80% for everybody going into furlough, but um, Liverpool, you voted Labour, so fuck you, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, the SNP runs Scotland. Nah, you're so included in this. It would be, there would be uproar in this country. Yeah. He's actually getting a doubling down. He's getting people going, no, you shouldn't. But what's there? Aye, exactly. <laughs> yep. It's... it's it, it's like the the madness of King George, isn't it? it it's, he's actually, he's lost it. The guy has absolutely lost his fucking marbles. Um, and we're witnessing the unravelling what was, what I would imagine is like the worst case scenario when he get voted in is that if mm -hmm. he's hit with something that he needs to deal with, he's not going to be able to deal with it. He doesn't no. have, he doesn't have the intellect, he doesn't have the brain or, but what, <sighs> We every sort of and again every criticism that we've got to the conservatives and every criticism and every time that we are flagging these things about Trump, I know that quite a lot we do this on the podcast. We are sort of like look at the state of that and and we're laughing at it. Aye, but it's costing people fucking lives. Aye, do you know what I mean? And, and that's why really we're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Is because we're, I mean we're he's been point pushing. He's been pushing this week in America for the widespread unlocking and people going back to normal at the same time as his own scientists are publishing that as of the 1st of June, they expect the American death rate to hit 3,000 people per day. Wow. You know I mean? So they're already at 1750 when this report was published. So 1,800 people are dying a day in America. It's about to basically double as a result of the, the inaction that's already occurred and his answer is going to be to try and unlock this country and make it even worse um, it's it's incredible like as we talked about setting waves and stuff like that we're now seeing that pressure come to the fore in, in the UK in a big way I mean we had the, the people's champion um, the Chancellor of the Exchequer you know who put everybody on the 80% furlough and protected everybody who is now talking about reducing the furlough to 60% and using the rhetoric of drug addiction to justify it, saying things like people need to be weaned off of furlough money, and people are, be people are becoming addicted to their furlough money, um, so the process would be to then, you know, reduce it, and the hope that they basically go and look for other jobs, and you're like, these people have already fucking got jobs. What other jobs? Like, aye, exactly. What are you expecting them to do? What, so, I mean, that's crazy, I missed that, I completely uh, missed aye. that. Um, there was articles today about how it was uh, the rhetoric, the drug rhetoric, as if we're all junkies, as if we, and this is what we talked about austerity 2.0 in recent weeks, as to how they use the press and the media to amplify their message and justify their horrors. And 
We've got a country of people who have walked in their houses because a virus has made it so. They've had to take the bare minimum action to protect people and still left millions of people without support. The furlough scheme of a UK population of, what, 70-odd million people, mm-hmm. you're talking about six and a half million are affected by the furlough scheme. So it's not they've went out en masse and protected everybody for this, you know what I mean? But the people they are protected are now being treated the same way benefit claimants have been treated in the past and how job seekers and so on and so forth, that they're now going to dehumanise or attempt to dehumanise these people for using the reduced money they're already on to pay rent and buy food. They're going to actually force people into, you know, bad debt, rent arrears, mortgage arrears, you know, like, to what prove an ideological point, you know what I mean? Like it's it's incredible. So, so I we're we're no out the woods here in terms of lockdowns done in America and the same ideology that has caused these mistakes is still pervading every aspect of the decision making that's going on in these two countries. Mm-hmm. And it's reflected in the figures that country one and two and the death rates of the UK and the US. Yeah. Like the decision making is there in the numbers. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how much longer we can deny it. Mm, that's it, mate. I mean, that's that 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 actually like makes me feel a wee bit sick that he's talking about fucking reducing follow, wean yourself off follow, go and find another job. Well, what like yeah. in what fucking world do these people live? Like, what what are they expecting to happen? I think that they're like you're saying they're hoping that we do the same thing we've already we already seen it last week we're hoping that we do the same thing that they did in america and just take to the streets and protest to go back to work i need my job let me go yeah. back to work um and now they're going to hold a gun to your head if you're on the furlough scheme and say well here's your choices to go back to your work that may unnecessarily kill you or stay in the house on 60 percent how long is your employer really going to put up with that? You know what I mean? Like if you're choosing to stay on furlough at a reduced rate, that you then undermine your position with your employer by looking like somebody who is addicted to fucking money and all that other bullshit that they're actually starting to now feed out there. So you're in a no-win situation either way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is a direct attack by the UK government on workers' rights in the middle of a pandemic. Insanity. Absolute fucking insanity. Um, oh... Wow, um, as I mean, we had a. We've been talking about the last sort of few weeks as well about how we we kind of just go back to normal and we kind of just mm-hmm. go back to sort of normal life. Yeah. Um And I mean, we've seen, uh, quite frankly, like a pathetic showing for people in this city. Like when Monday, when Costa Coffee opened a drive-thru at Brayhead and people were fucking cured around the block for a premium coffee. (laughs) Yeah. See, like, what? Why? Why? Why is anybody fucking driving down to Brayhead to sit in an hour-long queue to pay four quid for the privilege of a fucking hot cup of fucking milk and coffee? Like, Uh, where are people's heads? This is where... I think that you rightfully so back then were saying to me like it, 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 it's not going to be like a big change for a lot of people people are only going to reevaluate their lives people are going to sit in their horns wait to get tell right off you pop and like people are tweeting McDonald's and they're going when are you opening back up you're, so you're, we've you're, had Burger King open we've had KFC open we've had Greg's talking about opening is this a priority is this the priority of people is fucking takeaway foods and coffees, comfort, comfort eating and comfort drinking. Like, 
I understand that this is a tough time, right? And if if you're struggling, I, d- I doubt anybody that's struggling with sitting in that fucking queue for an hour waiting on a coffee. If you're genuinely yeah. suffering, genuinely like not can he deal with us? Can he deal with like the the change to your life? I doubt that you put your kids into a fucking Range Rover Sport and drove down to fucking Brayhead and got a coffee. That is a bunch of people. I mean, I know that's a stereotype, but did you see the fucking forties, uh, man? It was all Jeeps and Porsches and fucking Audis. Do you know what I mean? Three to five hundred, eh? But it, it's literally like, look, the people that are there, right? Let's just say that um, Costa Coffee, um, give them the benefit of the doubt. What bread group, whatever it is, and they went, look, let's get them open, and that means that the key workers and essential workers, if they're on their way to work, they can come in and they can get what is essentially a treat. But the people that are inside that Costa, they are literally in harm's way. Like, how can you socially distance inside a kitchen? Like, you've I've worked Aye. in McDonald's. There is there is yeah. no room to swing a fucking cat. So yeah. how there how you think? I mean, you look at people at Tesco. You go to Tesco. These people only staying two meters apart. There isn't the room, no. and there isn't the, the 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 provisions for them. They don't have PPE. So. The people that work in Tesco understand people need to get food, people need to feed their families, right? If you work in the NHS, if you are driving a bus and a train, I understand this, but I'm sorry, I cannot get on board with Burger King, KFC and Costa Coffee opening back up like for a bunch of fucking... Fast food is not a necessity, you know what I mean? 100%, what? man, it's actually um, like, it, it enraged me, this is one of the things that when I wasn't feeling well, I was actually like, oh my fucking god, like, I can't believe uh, that people did that, like, I can't fucking... It's funny, go to the 40 minute queue, I could understand if you were out and about, and you know, your journey home, your journey to work, whatever, and you'd heard something that opened, like, swinging by... And being like, all right, it's quiet, I can drive through, grab a coffee on the way to work. I get that logic, even if you're not necessarily a key worker and it happens to be open. But to have like purposely went there and then been like, this queue is 40 minutes long and then joined that 40 minute queue for a fucking coffee, that's the logic that I question. I'm like, what are you then? You know what I mean? Like, what is, is your, is, you know, being alone with your own thoughts such a scary thing that you have to sit? And a fucking forty minute queue for coffee just so that you don't have to be alone with yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like it was wild. Um, and as I say, we've seen it. The open B and Q. You know, B and Q had the two meters outside on the car park. They were queued outside the car park. Like as places begin to open, you're going to see a lot of this. But like, I we need to make sure that the people that are opening back up are actually legit. You know what I mean? Like because what is what is the point in a lockdown? If places are just choosing not to lock down, like I don't mm-hmm. get, I don't get the thinking behind that. You know what I mean? Like, we should be able to enforce and say, "Well, no, hold on a minute." The advice is still, you know, three weeks. So, like, wrap it. Don't expose your people for coffee. Don't expose your people for hamburgers or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the juxtaposition that sort of boils me. Is that how is it a lockdown if Aye. companies are allowed to just decide that they're not taking part in it? Hundred percent. The chief executive of Pure Gym was on the news last night when I was watching it, and he was saying that they're essential because they help people with their well-being. And it's like, what? but all right, I okay, but also asking people to go in a cram gym and sweat. Mm. Like, people yeah. can work out in the fucking house. You don't need to go to Pure Gym to work out. Do some fucking press-ups or something if you really want to uh, sort your uh, mental yeah. well-being. But this is the type of bullshit Mike Ashley tried to pull and now we're seeing it happening oh, with other businesses. Uh-huh. We're seeing it happening with other businesses now where they're trying to sort of make their own case for being essential in a time when it's like, no, what is essential to you is the money. Like, this is... Uh, 
a clear and distinct showing of greed to me. Yeah. Like, it's no, like, people, get companies like Pure Gym, I'd put my money, I'd put my fucking everything on it that they won't be going under but they're chasing the profit. They know that the three months is about to end and they've asked their... their because I, I go to Pure Gym and I go to the email, hold out for three months. If you pay your nine ninety nine for the next three months, we'll supply you with this app and you can work out in the house. After that three months is up and the predicted sort of lockdown time passes, people are going to start to reevaluate and go, right, I need to cancel that gym subscription because I'm not getting anything fair. And this is what Pure Gym's worried about. They're worried about... This is it. They're putting their business over their customers. Aye. If you genuinely want to see somebody like in, that values you as a customer, they're encouraging you to go back and work out in their fucking gyms during a global pandemic. Aye. Do you know what I mean? There's been, aye, I think it's a new, a, another aspect of this new reality that we're just going to have to adjust to. And like, companies are not people as per, you know, what American justice system thinks, but at the same time, they are having to adjust their approach in a similar kind of way that I think a lot of these are. And I, I've seen quite a lot of this. I'm, I'm, I was sitting the other day watching the Bake Off just because I was scunnered and I was like, I want to make some, watch somebody make cakes and see no food and make shit jokes. Aye, and it's just it. But for the first time in months, I was subjected to adverts because on Netflix and the various other streaming services I use, I don't. I don't watch adverts, like, I don't use the telly, it's all after fire sticks and all the rest of it. So, when I put the Bake Off on, being on four player, there was adverts. And it was odd to see, and we talked about this on episode one, seeing how quickly people adapt their message. Like, Uber certainly have for one, you know, they were like, putting out adverts to say, thanks for not using us. And like, <laughs> I've seen some really weird shit fucking linked to coronavirus um, where, you know, it's like, <clears throat> as you say, the treat to yourself and all the rest of it. And like, there was an advert for washing powder that referenced coronavirus. There was, was like stuff for just all sorts of stuff that is no, it wasn't like cleaning products. It wasn't medical stuff. It was like really random shit. You know what I mean? And you're just like, it almost felt like the way certain companies when like Pride comes in, everything's all rainbows. Ah, I was and then when this before, Valentine's man. Day comes in, everything's all, you know, bunnies and yeah. you know, Easter eggs. And then it's, you know, summer holidays and there's this imagery and it's like almost as if coronavirus imagery has now slipped into that rotation of things that we're told to consider when we're buying products now. And it was like, I was pure, that took them four weeks. Like, <laughs> fucking well played to it's them. Like, the... Some good production quality in here. Some, like, one, was, one was the fucking nationwide bank who were having people send messages to themselves six months ago you know, and it was all like, pure really emotive and stuff like that. And you're like, mm. you just did not fucking hang about jumping on this one. You know what I mean? So, no, definitely. Nah, it's like the Bill Hicks they're thing. They're definitely adapting. You know what I mean? Aye, it's, uh, like, yeah. it's like Bill Hicks where he's pure, ooh, the indignation dollar. That's a big dollar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is the coronavirus <laughs> dollar. Coronavirus dollar. Aye, the the marketing teams, I mean, you can, you can bet your fucking bottom dollar that the, all these teams when they get back together they'll be like right so see for the next pandemic <laughs> what, what's the message what's the message what's the message Aye. how do we keep people engaged how do we keep our customers engaged like yeah it's an unfortunate um uh sort of aspect of the world that we live in and it's just mm -hmm. becoming it's just becoming more amplified because we're just sitting about we're doing nothing and you see all this Aye. stuff but I'd, I, I, I I genuinely despair 
that people's priorities during a global pandemic is I want a Big Mac and a coffee. Um, <laughs> that makes me feel shit. It really makes me feel a wee bit shit. But, um, but then on the other side, when they're subject to advertising, that is pure, we know you miss your McDonald's at this time, but put the NHS first. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're not getting it in the neck either way, whether they can go or no. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely, mate. Anyway, um, have you got anything else that you're... I mean... Uh, um, I know we had obviously May the fourth the other day. Oh um, fuck yeah! So we did. I've been I've been a bit immersed in the Star Wars universe in recent weeks as as a part of sort of killing some time. Um, I watched the entire saga recently. I feel like episode one all the way through. I think I watched like eleven movies over the course of like eight days or something like that. How did uh, you do that? Just like one, two, three, right. four, five, six, okay. seven, eight, or we're like solo and. I went with some internet recommendation about the chronology and all that kind of shit. I was okay. pure geeky about it. Like, nice. I figured I'm a nearly 40-year-old guy. Um, I'm probably never going to sit down and watch the entire Star Wars saga more than once. So, right. like, now is the time. You know what I mean? Like, Fair um, enough. Well, I know. I mean, like, obviously the originals, you know, the, the you know 70s and 80s ones were amazing um, sections of the other. But it's... I then moved on, so I tried the Mandalorian, I found it a bit dull, but it's, I, I'm just kind of like amazed how much of my time in the last, say, two or three weeks that Star Wars has actually managed to take up. Like, the universe and the scale has become so massive now oh, that man. you can actually like, occupy weeks of your own time with it. Um, I've even ended up chasing the fix into fucking computer games when I'm playing, you know, the Jedi Fallen Order where I'm just basically running a bit like a mad bastard with a lightsaber just chopping shit up and it's amazing. Um, but I, you know, I, they made the four stuff. I, I thought, I, it's you amazing that even as a... I, no, but I mean, I, I kind of like... Look back, I'd already done all this as May the 4th came round. Um, okay. One of the guys in my, my team is texting me going, oh, have you bought, you know, Rise of Skywalker? So this is another adult male texting me on the day that Star Wars came out on DVD to find out if, like, I wanted to also buy the Star Wars DVD, mm. um, which was weird. And I, you know what I mean? Like, it has this pull and this kind of, like, scale now that I find really amazing. You know what it's I mean? Like, when but Disney, like when Disney gets involved and touches anything, man, it just explodes, doesn't it? I mean, if you were to, nah, yeah. if you think about really how much of your time was taken up uh content that was created pre two thousand fifteen, let's just say five years. Aye. Like I mean, like what a quarter? <laughs> a quarter yeah. Everything else has came in the last five years and this saga Aye. is literally forty five year old. And you're mm-hmm. like it, it. It's incredible. It's actually incredible. Aye. If you were to watch Clone Wars, if you were to watch, um, even if you were to go into deep, deep Star Wars, like droids and uh, the Caravan of Courage. Have you ever seen the Caravan of Courage? Um, Here, I've even played previous games, the Force Unleashed games, yeah. the Battlefront games. That like, I, I, you know, if I was to put a clock on how much time in my life I've spent on Star Wars, I'd probably terrify myself with it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, but I, it was one of the ones where it was quite nice to actually like indulge in the nostalgia. Like 
because it was like a, a, like a daily thing and I was plugging away with wee episodes of Clone Wars and shit as I went um, just because I was in pure full Star Wars mode I almost sickened myself with it um, but it was nice to like immerse yourself in that nostalgia for it so it was especially at a time like this it was like one of these things that came along right at the right time and seeing everybody else getting nostalgic in recent days I was like shit I went through the entire Star Wars saga and like didn't even it didn't even register with me that that's quite a big like undertaking in terms of time you know what I mean just it was so enjoyable I mean I I love Star Wars as you know the same as um, the next gimp that fucking loves Star Wars I mean I'm not I'm not quite I'm not quite as bad as what some some people that I've met and I probably met people where I'm like oh, I'm into Star Wars and they ask me questions and they're like you know fuck all about Star Wars mate fuck off do you know what I mean but <laughs> I've I've watched um, like as they came out in DVD I watched the original trilogy and then I've watched at, at different sort of stages so when the Force Awakens came out I watched mm. I watched the the previous six movies, um, and then I've I've done that recently. Um, but it's impossible. I used to try and do it like every sort of like big release, but it's impossible to do now because oh, there's God. so much coming along. Like you're saying, the Mandalorian Aye. and stuff like. That. See if you really want to get into it, man. I'm going to send you a YouTube channel. There's a YouTube channel out there where the guys actually made a lightsaber. Like Ooh. a real lightsaber out of a titanium pole, a battery pack, and the fucking heat goes up and the thing glows red and it cuts oh, through shit. Yes. They've made a blaster, they've made Batman's suit and his weapons. Like these guys are fucking incredible. You're going to get me back in territory my Facebook is just going to show me cunts making swords again. So that is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but these guys have, well, I mean, they made Han Solo's blaster and stuff like that. They're, right. they're, they're legit, they're legit geeks, they're legit sort of. Sat, uh, I don't know, even know what the fuck. I mean, they've just got workshops and they work away at stuff but um, I'm I'm jealous man I think I'm probably gonna go I, well I was sick last week Sean must have been feeling sorry for me and she said to me one day I'll just watch Star Wars one more time well she was <laughs> she case. was she was saying to me, <laughs> I, when I was sitting questioning my mortality, sitting pure, I need you older. Um, but the, she said to me, she must have been feeling sorry for me. She said to me, do you want to put on Star Wars? And she doesn't like Star Wars. And, and I was like, do you know what? No, I don't, I, I don't want to. It was, it was just because my fucking head was gone. I didn't know what to sit Aye. down. But I'm, I'm getting, like, as you're talking about that there, I'm getting jealous and I'm thinking, I'm going to go. The way I watch it is. Four, five, six, one, two, three, and then I'll watch the the other ones. Right. I'll, I'll always start with a new hope because I find that watching the sort of shiny tech and then mm-hmm. getting through back into the dark ages with like a new hope, I'm just always like, Ugh. so I start I start there. Um, but I think I'm I was already jealous. the story. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember going to see episode one in the cinema as a late teen and like taking lightsabers in from my mate's wee brother and shit like that so I, I did watch the first one I know it is basically a kids movie but they did kind of ruin it by throwing like galactic politics in the mix when they should have just stuck to lightsaber fights but the second one I did find myself skipping through sections of the love story because it's, it's, the, it's the worst love story of all time um, but for then on as I said I wanted to do them in like the chronological order for some reason just uh-huh. because the last one was finally kind of out um, obviously the originals are phenomenal I'm controversially a bigger fan of Return of the Jedi than of Empire Strikes Back right, okay. um, Empire Strikes Back is probably technically a better movie but I just 
love the fucking final battle between good and evil. That's what I'm. That's what I'm after in a trilogy. Is just the pure. Let's get to it. Let's see who wins. Um, the newer ones, again, first one a bit nostalgic. Second one was out there. I didn't hate it. You know, I don't take them as seriously as an adult as maybe some other folk day mm-hmm. when people were talking to me about how you know laser beams can bend in space. You're like, dude, maybe you're taking this a bit too seriously. Like, just. There's some lightsaber fights, some shit blows up. Let's just let's just go with it. You know what I mean? Let's just simmer down. But with the last one, I was a bit like, this is this is not how it should have ended. But at the same time, I'm I'm like instantly over it. I'm no like starting a blog or like I'm no wandering off into my own fucking you know the Rebel Alliance City podcast to like complain about how bad the last one was. Oh mate, like I'm going. I'm I'm 100. <clears throat> because I'm May the 4th in this conversation <laughs> we've got to name this episode the Rebel Alliance City Podcast episode whatever, just for it, just for May the 4th there dude. we go but anyway dude it's been another like good cathartic thing I think is, is Aye, this man. is me finally getting back to like sort of fitness and like I've, I've worked out the last couple of days and I'm feeling good but it's been good to talk to you man and I really nah, too, thinking about it earlier on man um, just as I was getting ready there, I was like I just miss having you here and like <laughs> I miss being out of the house mm-hmm. I, I, just in general now and that is that is like against you know everything that makes me who I'm all like, I'm really no I'm quite happy to just chill in my own time and space but like I getting out and having that process is something that I'm definitely starting to miss so hopefully we can I mean, this has been a success as well with the Skype video, so hopefully we can maybe get somebody to come in and Skype and moves maybe in the next couple Aye. of weeks or two, in the next week or two. It'd be interesting Last to hear from Jamie. Um, maybe Jamie Cook yes. or Paul Sweeney or somebody like that about what's... The universal uh, basic income stuff. Aye. Um, so we'll maybe reach out to a couple of people. But I again, mate, another week... <laughs> I might need some options if my follow money gets cut to 60% in the next few weeks. You know <laughs> Try and monetise the podcast. Aye, we need to monetise. Let's get UBI pushed right now. Too you know, right, mate. But anyway, thanks very much for coming on again, buddy. No worries, mate. Cheers.
Thank you.